Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and yes, I am still alive after this uh, quite long hiatus. Uh, It's been a while, it's been too long to be um, completely honest with you guys, and I am excited to be back, and this week we have... Um, a very special guest all the way from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, brother Andrew Lazar. Andrew, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good. I'm very, very excited to be on here and honored. And so I'm excited to see how this whole thing is going to play out. Yeah, yeah, me too. And a uh, funny story is that I actually was, rec- uh, you were recommended to me to be on this podcast by our mutual friend, Phil. Uh, Phil Yankich, who was also on this podcast a couple of years ago. I remember I tried to, I looked to reach out after a few a few months after he said so, and then I think uh, you were on Instagram at the time, and then you got back on, reconnected, and then finally we got to it, and then we, I was just on that break, and then finally after something that's been two years in the making, we're finally doing this. So I'm excited uh, to talk about uh, the testimony that that you're going to share here, and. Uh, I um I am confident uh, that it's going to be a blessing to a lot of people who are going to listen to this episode. But um, before we get into anything further in this episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements. Um, for those of you guys who have been following for a long time, maybe this is your first time listening, you just got into it, uh, but you can follow us for any and all updates on our Instagram account, at The Potter's House. That's at T-H-E-P-O-D-D-E-R-S-H-O-U-S-E. Uh, we're on pretty much the bigger streaming platforms, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And those are two different platforms where you can subscribe. You can also rate, uh, preferably five stars, and you can also leave uh, written reviews on uh, at least the Apple Podcasts. And um, in the last few months, we did have one new one, so I want to read that out to you. And this is from uh, our buddy from uh, Arizona, Dennis Tipe, and he said, Amazing work, Marcus. I love listening into this podcast as I've as I've been binging it lately. Praying that God continues to work through you and through this podcast. Be blessed. Um, thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, you're a great guy. The only thing I have against you is you're an Arsenal fan, but that's okay. Uh, there's forgiveness in that. Um, but I appreciate the the written review. And uh, if you leave a written review, guys, yeah, I'll read it out here on the podcast as well. Um, Regarding the hiatus, so as many of you know, I kind of announced it at the end of the last podcast. Uh, I've been really busy with a lot of life changes, uh, job, seminary, all that, moving, moving back, uh, church involvement, you know, just all across the board. And it's just been quite hectic for me since the month of August and 2022. But um, as far as going forward, I just decided to record this. Frequency, again, it's up in the air whenever there's time, whenever I have a pocket of um, leisure time where I can, where we can do this and we can record and uh, no promises yet and uh, n- nothing really planned out so far. So we're going to take it week by week and see where it goes, but I am stoked, I'm excited, um, and I feel a little rusty as, I, as I'm continuing to talk to you guys through this medium, and uh, I pray that going forward that this will be... Um, just a ministry that God blesses, uh, especially to the hearers out there um, who will be encouraged by all the episodes, especially the the testimonies, and in particular, this testimony that we're about to hear. So that's that for now. If I remember any other announcements, I'll, I'll further announce it at the end of the episode. But uh, Andrew, 
now kind of kind of getting back to getting back to you, getting back to the scope of this episode. Uh, for the people out there who don't know you or don't know where Jacksonville, Florida is um, on the map, uh, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, like how Marcus said, my name is Andrew Lazar. I'm 29 years old. Um, I'm originally from, I guess I can say I was born in Chicago, but I can say I was raised, grew up in, and uh, and raised in North Carolina, in Charlotte. And that's actually how I met Phil when he moved over there and a couple other guys from there. Um, and then in 2015, I moved to Washington uh, for a school called God Will Provide Missionary School. Maybe some of your listeners know about it, but uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. And then about two years ago, um, in 2021, God just opened the doors in, in a, you know, in, in his own way for us to move down to Florida. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been a change, a massive change. Like we're in March and I'm completely sunburned. <laughs> I'm working outside. Yeah. So, uh, it's 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 definitely getting used to but god's been good and um and and i'm excited for you know what he has planned for our family here and for the people that are in jacksonville and you were mentioning where is jacksonville in florida uh jacksonville is kind of like in the northern part of florida we're very close to the florida georgia uh, border um we're about maybe an hour away from the florida georgia line but yeah, I'm familiar because right of football, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but other than that, I don't I don't I don't have a lot of a lot of other f- affiliations with the with the city itself, but we're glad that there is a growing uh, community of Romanians um out there and that it may continue to grow uh with whatever ethnic peoples uh, want to join as well. And um and uh yeah, and the funny thing is like uh today as as you mentioned, you know, kind of talked about your life and we're going to talk about you know, God will provide and, and other, other details. But, um, for the listeners out there, I mean, you shared your, your kind of the brief gist of your testimony a few months ago to me when we initially planned to record. And as I told you off air, um, I forgot most of it. <laughs> so a lot of this is going to be new to me. I mean, I remember like the, like the, the high points here and there, uh, but all the details will also be new to me. So I'll be kind of like listening along and just, uh, also being edified and encouraged by the, by the, by the experiences that you had, the way that God worked in your life, and uh, we're all going to be encouraged by that, and uh, we're going to get started on that, but one quick thing before we do that, and this is something we started um, a couple episodes ago for you guys, if you, if you remember, but um, had you guys sent anonymous questions, and we're going to take about one or two que- uh, questions per episode, depending on the length and the, I guess, how deep and the depth of the question is, uh, and we're going to answer that, both myself and the guest. Um, this week we're just going to have one, one question. I'm going to read it out loud. I'm going to kind of, actually I'll let Andrew, I'll let you answer first and then I'll, I'll provide some feedback as well. But this is the question that we received anonymously from one of you guys. And the question is, what would you do in the situation of being involved in serving at a church with fellow leaders who slack in passion to serve, but you've been praying day and night and don't want to just ditch the church and leave because your desire to see your church thrive, but you feel alone in praying for that. So Andrew, what would you do to advise this person who has this pressing issue on their heart? So when Mark and you and I, when we were talking about this right before we started recording, one of the things that I told you was that I don't, 
I'm afraid because I don't want to be very blunt, but I feel like uh, this question kind of deserves a blunt answer. And um, in my opinion, I think one of the things that we have to stop doing is stop looking at the church kind of like from a business perspective. Like if we look at, you know, a business or a company or something like that, if you're an employee of, you know, wherever you work or something, you want you want your hard work to be seen. You want everybody to be on the same page. And if you see that, like your skills are not being, I don't know what the word is. If you see that your skills aren't being, I don't want to say the word accepted, but it's like if if you feel like you're putting more work than the other person, you automatically have this mentality of, well, you know, I don't belong at this company. I'm going to go find a different company. The thing is, this is a church and your employer is God. And so the idea of, you know, to ditch the church or something like that, that, in my opinion, is is that's that's not the way to handle it. That's not the way to go. Um, and so the question was, you know, what do you do in a situation in which you are praying for something, you are striving for more, but you see the people around you aren't willing to do that or you don't see that happening on on their side? Um, God, I hate to say it this way, but that's kind of just the way that it is. You know, uh, I see it in my own life. I see it in the church that I serve in and stuff like that. I see the prayers that I have, the prayer, the, the tears that I put in, the sacrifice that I put in. And I don't see that happening with everybody else around me, but I know that, I know that God sees it, you know, and I, and knowing that God sees it, I know that there is a, there's a, the Romanian word, there's a reward for what you're doing. And I believe that at the right time, at the right time, everything is going to open up. It's difficult because we wish it would happen now. Um, oftentimes we get impatient, especially when we pray for something and it takes so long for it to happen. But I refuse to believe that God does not see it. I refuse to believe that God abandons us while when we pray for something, especially like it's his church and, you know, it's it's his people. And uh, and so I would say, you know, just just hang in there, hang in there, keep on praying, keep on doing the things that you're doing. And I promise you that God will reward you. And I promise you that God is going to answer. And it might not be in the way that you see it or in, or in the way that you think he should reward you. But I know that God is going to reward all the effort, all the sacrifice that you're putting in there and just keep on keep on fighting the good fight. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And um, I think I think the first half of the question is very reasonable, you know, to have have that issue pressing on your heart and kind of um, occupying your, your thoughts and your mind. Uh, but I guess the, the, the real kicker is the, the end of the question where it says, you don't want to just leave and ditch the church, and I think that is where it gets a little problematic. Um, I think there are quite very few circumstances in which you, as someone who's quite involved and maybe influential and impactful in your church, should leave from that church. Um, and that can vary depending on what the situation is, whether it's a you know very toxic environment or something's you know something really bad happens or or you never know um or you know maybe god calls you somewhere else there's another opportunity and you've prayed about it and your 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 fellow members and leaders are also um you know uh in agreement with that uh but regarding a, a situation like this i feel a lot i feel like a lot of us can relate um who who are 
passionate about the church and just not seeing the results. And, you know, I would, I would just point you to the scriptures and just read Paul's epistles. You know, the man, probably the most passionate man for the Lord in the New Testament who was writing to, to these churches that he helped plant and that he's directing and he's guiding, even from afar. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's frustrated at times and he's, he's correcting them. He's, you know, all in love, right? And, um, and uh, you know, in the name of Christ, but he, he, he's still there and he's working hard and he's still longing to see them and he still expresses his love for them. Um, but he's, he's fighting and he's toiling. He's, he's not given up. And, and the thing is, if you look into a lot of these people, and I, I, I really started um, looking at the prophets as well. A lot of these guys did not die on on, on the the top of the mountain peaks. They died at some point in their lives, and, and the fruits of their labor were only expressed much later on, right? Like a way later. And that goes with people and uh, you know characters in the Bible that we read about. That goes in in these um, you know these heavy hitters in church history. They did a lot of work. They were persecuted. They lived very very difficult. Sometimes impoverished. Sometimes they were bedridden. They were sick. Very difficult lives for the Lord. Where it looked hopeless in the time, but the fruits of their labor eventually manifested and grew in a much later time where it just impacted the generation. So. I'm not saying that's going to be you, uh, the person who has the question, but if you're recognizing a lack of passion and a lack of quality in, in, in the way of service amongst other leaders, that means by default, you're probably one of the more valuable members in that congregation. And if you leave, you're going to just further worsen it, right? When you take some quality out of this uh, out of this church, then it's going to be of lower quality as far as how it goes um, with the rest of the people. So I'd recommend to stick it through. Obviously, I don't know the exact implications of your of your situation, but it's something that you know I would say still pray about and have faith and and God will reward that. And uh, you you may not even see it in in the next few years. You may not even see it in your lifetime. But if you do so faithfully, I believe God's going to reward that as well. So. Hopefully that leaves you encouraged, uh, young listener, and you might not even be listening to this because uh, you wrote this question eight months ago, but hey, why not? Hopefully someone hopefully someone learned from this, but um, now that we got that all the way, all the formalities, Andrew, let's, let's get back into the topic of this episode. Let's get back into the testimony. Um, it's funny with a lot of Romanian Pentecostals, they absolutely love to hear testimonies, and... Um, I think they can be a very powerful thing. They can be very edifying. And the nice thing is a lot of them can be relatable, especially people who were just snatched by God from the depths of their depravity, uh, whether their their sin was manifest spiritually or or both spiritually and physically as as your situation was. Um, it becomes relatable to them and they're just they're touched by that, which is great. And uh, I hope that that's the case. But I also hope that um, if they are impacted by this by this um, by this testimony that they may also turn to the Lord and turn to the scriptures and turn to prayer that they may continue to be sanctified and not just depend on people other people's life experiences because at the, at the same time while they are impactful not everyone lives the same life uh, people experience different things people live easier lives more difficult lives different trials people are called to different um, purposes. Um, I guess in the micro sense, so it's important to kind of keep that in mind. But um, I think with with your testimony, with your story, it's going to be something that's encouraging, and it's 
the nice the, the I guess the common factor in every single testimony is it's it's it reflects the glory of God and what he does and how much he loves his people. So um, I think that should be the at the forefront of our minds as we talk about this. And with that being said, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let you start talking. So Andrew, um, let's start from the beginning. Uh, you can start from your childhood. You said you moved from Chicago to North Carolina. It sounds like North Carolina is where you did the majority of your growing up. Uh, let's talk about those early life to the adolescent years um, how was that? How was that for you? When did you start getting at this things you maybe shouldn't have gotten involved in? And how, how was your life at that moment of, uh, that moment of time? Cool. Thank you, Marcus. So, uh, before I actually get started in my testimony, um, there's a thought that I want to bring up that's found in first Corinthians chapter 15. And it's where apostle Paul He's basically talking to the church and, and he's telling them the gospel. Um, he starts, you know, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. So he's telling them what the good news is. And he talks about the death of Christ. He talks about the burial. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And at the very end, he starts telling them about the fact that Christ was seen. The fact that Christ was seen by the apostles, and he goes through a list of the different apostles. But in verse 9, in verse 8, excuse me, he says, Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. And this is verse 9. For I am the least worthy of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. And I'm not saying that I'm Apostle Paul, you know, no apostle involved with Apostle <laughs> Andrew. But um, but that same kind of mentality is the one that I have and the one that I want to share with everyone, too. Exactly how Apostle Paul says, hey, I'm the least worthy. That's the way that I am also. You know, my testimony, oftentimes after I share my testimony, people reach out to me and tell me, oh, my God, Andrew, that was so powerful. That was so this. And it's like, hey. I'm still a normal person. I'm still just a normal person. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but exactly how you said, Marcus, I just want God's glory to be shown. You know, I want God to receive all the glory. It's not me. There's nothing special about me. I'm just some kid in Florida trying to be a plumber, like the most normal person on earth. But I, I praise God and I thank God for, um, for what he's done in my life. And and uh, yeah, you know, I, I was born in Chicago. I moved to Carolina, I think, when I was like six. I don't really remember too much of my childhood in, in Chicago. Um, some of my earliest memories, I can remember, you know, playing soccer and stuff. But I was already in like kindergarten or first grade in, in Chicago. I mean, in Carolina. So I don't have too many memories there. Um, but in Carolina, I kind of grew up the same way, I would say, majority of your listeners grew up you know i'm i'm romanian and so i was born in you know romanian family i grew up in a pentecostal romanian household which meant that church was our life um my dad you know is an ordained minister my mom she i remember you know she was on a worship team and then after that she became like the choir conductor lady and and I can remember, you know, Tuesdays was prayer night and Thursdays was church and Friday was youth and Saturday was something like basically every single day after school, there was something to do with church. And that's kind of where I was at. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember all the prayers, the church 
services, the youth services, man, I was preaching when I was, you know, 14, 15, um, not like, you know, hardcore sermons, but just like these small little like condemned small little sermonettes just to lead people into prayer and whatnot. I was on the worship team and, and we played at different places like at Winterfest, for example, the church I was part of, we, we, we would play and I would play the piano. And, and so basically what I'm trying to say is my whole life was wrapped around church. And um, I got baptized in water at the age of 15. And, and it's all nice and fantastic and all this. But the problem with all of that is because I grew up in church, I had so much knowledge of God that it almost kind of felt like because of that, I'm a Christian just because I know of him. You know, I know what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. I know what he did for me. I know, like I knew everything. And so when people would ask, Andrew, do you have a relationship with God? In my mind, be like, yeah, I mean, I, of course I do. I go to church, you know, look at everything that I'm involved in and whatnot. Um, but that's not exactly the case. And, and I think that's something that, you know, for those of you that are listening to this podcast to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Do you genuinely have a relationship with God? Do you genuinely have a relationship with Christ? Or is it just things that you grew up believing? Things that you grew up, I can say, you know, knowing. Um, because even in John chapter 3, the Bible says there was a man named Nicodemus that comes to Christ and he tells them, we all know that you are from God. Like, look at everything that you're doing. We know that you're from him. But the most famous verse I can say in, in scripture is John 3, 16. And that's when Christ tells him for, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever believes in him. There's a difference between that. That first, you know, a knowledge of him versus an actual belief in him. And um, and so that lasted, you know, for the first, I want to say 15, 16 years. But as I got a little bit older. I started seeing a big difference in, I don't want to say the people in church, but kind of the people in church. You know, when we grew up, and I can say most of us, when we grew up, we know what's good, we know what's bad, and it's almost like our parents tried to shelter us from the world. Um, but when, like when I would look at the church, and when I would look in scripture, I would see a huge contrast between these two, you know, there'd be passages in scripture that would talk about loving one another, forgiving one another, being in unity with one another. And, and, and kind of like this, uh, you know, just this, this thing in a new Testament where, where the apostles, they, they say, you know, keep fighting, keep moving on, keep going forward. Keep like, it's almost like you're in a pursuit. Like there's a genuine hunger for righteousness and a desire for more of God. And then I'd look at the people around me in church and I'd see the exact, you know, a, a huge contrast over there. When the scriptures say love one another, I would see, you know, this family. Oh, no, no, you're not allowed to hang out with that family because I heard this and this about them. Or, oh, no, you can't hang out with those youth because I heard this. It was it was like such a huge contrast, you know, and 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 so growing up, like I said, I had this knowledge of God. But when I actually started really delving into the word of God and I would see this contrast between the church and, and the word. I was like, man, either I'm missing something or, or something, something's going on. And that put a seed inside of my heart. And I can say a seed inside of my mind where I began to not take the church as seriously. I began to not take the word 
as seriously and 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 it kind of just all grew from that um you know i wanted it was a, probably around 16 17 that i started getting myself into you know different kinds of trouble um i don't want to get into too much detail uh on here but you know i remember those years were years that i wish i can go back and i you know i, re I regret so much happened during those years and whatnot but um you know fast forward four or five years i'm 20 years old i'm addicted to different kinds of things i'm tattooed i'm all these different you know messes and whatnot and uh and in my mind i thought that i was living the life you know as a 20 year old going on to 21 i i i had everything that a 20 year old would imagine you know like this is what i would want to have i i had those things um but even though i was so far and even though i was so gone and even though i was so i can say you know uh away from the church and 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 spirituality and christ and and anything um i'm never gonna forget that i'd still come home and i'd see my mom and my dad praying for me I'd come home and I'd see my mom on her knees next to her bed. And as I'm walking by, I can hear, you know, you know how it is when a mom cries, you know, it's, it's just that prayer that's a genuine from the depths of their soul type of thing. And I, and I, it's almost like you can hear her tears type of thing. And I remember, you know, hearing even my dad pray and, and all the time they would pray and they would say, you know, God, don't give up on him. God, don't give up or whatever. God, don't give up on him. And, um, I know that there's, you know, different, um, different maybe concepts or different thoughts or different ideas about prophecy and about gifts of the spirit. And is it still today? Is it not today? I, I'm just going to share my experience. Um, when I was lost and when I was, you know, in, in my own mess in this world, I remember there was someone that called from Romania and called my dad and he was a prophet. And this was around February of 2014. And, and he called my dad and he told my dad, and I still remember the prophecy in Romanian, but I'm going to translate it into English. And it was like, thus says the Lord, it says, for a long time, I've been in pursuit of Andrew. But every time I try to get close to him, he turns around and he runs away. And he said, therefore, I'm going to pursue him one more time. And if he chooses to follow me, I will use him and I will make him a great man. But if he doesn't, I will put him in the grave. And uh, I still remember exactly where I was sitting in my bedroom upstairs when my dad came up the stairs. And he's like, Andrew, I want to talk to you. And he kind of sat me down and, and he shared this with me. And, and I'm going to be honest with you all, like at that very moment, like there wasn't and like I didn't really care. You know, I was so caught up in everything else that it's almost like, all right, some old dude from like Romania is calling my dad. Like, what, what does he know about anything? I just it's it is what it is. I got my own life. I'm going to go do, you know, what I want to do, what I've been doing and whatnot. And. um, And this was in February. So I was living in North Carolina at this time in 2014. And I remember soon after this prophecy, I went to a conference in Carolina called Winterfest. And I was at Winterfest, and I remember it was the final night, and there was someone who was preaching. I don't remember 
his name. But I still remember where I was sitting and it was in one of the older buildings, like in, in the gym or something like that. And and I remember, yeah, exactly where I was sitting. I still remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a black sweater with these like lightish, bluish gray pants, black shoes. And I remember he was preaching and it was the altar call, the final night. And he looks around the stand or around the or around the, you know, auditorium where everyone was sitting. And he says what if tonight is your last night? What if tonight is the last night that you're going to hear this message? What if tonight is the last night you're going to hear the gospel? What is what if tonight is the last night that you will have breath in your lungs and you will stand before God? And he says, and I invite you. You don't know if you have a second chance. So I invite you to come forward and to give your life to Christ. And I remember when he said that, that prophecy came back to mind. I'm going to give you one more chance. And now this guy's saying the same thing, but I am a very, I don't want to say a prideful guy, but it's like, I don't like emotional stuff. You know, if, if I don't, I don't like, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't like that kind of where you start crying and you're like, right, Jesus, I'm all yours. And you have no idea. It's what a lot of guys. Do. No shame in that. There's a lot, a lot of us guys who are like that. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. The message was fantastic. You know, the worship team, of course, the final night, always the worship team gets up there. The piano guy puts the pads on. Everyone's crying. And I'm like, but no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going up there. And it's almost like, once again, like how the prophecy said, I'm reaching out to you, but you are running away from me. And this was in February of 2014. In uh in March, so about one month later, um, I started getting some very very bad stomach pains, um, and at first I didn't know what they were. I I thought it was just something that I you know I possibly didn't eat something that was fully cooked or I don't know. And and a couple of days of this went by, a couple of weeks of this went by, and uh and. By the end of that month, by the end of March, I was already down 25 pounds. Um, I couldn't hold anything in, anything that I would eat. I'd either, you know, vomit out or I would go through restroom and it would come out, you know. Um, and that was March. And I remember that my parents were praying, you know, the church was praying for me, all this for Andrew to get better, Andrew to get better. But the thing is, I wasn't getting any better. And um, April came around, and uh, and by the end of April, I was still going through the same thing. Throughout these two months, I had to quit my job. I couldn't really function. Um, I Everything hurt. I lost another 25 pounds. So within these two months, I was down 50 pounds. We had went to the doctor. We went to the, the hospital or whatnot. They did all the tests they knew how to do at the time and whatnot, and they're like, look, everything is coming back normal. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. And, uh, but my mom was like, look at him. Just, just look at him. I was like a skeleton at the time. And it was like, just look at him. Something's not okay with him. Um, but during this whole time, you know, it was that prophecy that kept coming back to my mind. I'm giving you one more chance. I'm giving you one more chance. Um, so yeah, these two months go by, uh, March and April, and then May comes around. And in North Carolina, in May, it's already getting very hot. Um, but I remember it was May 18th, 2014, and I was laying down on a couch in our room or in our house. And like I said, very hot outside, but I couldn't stop shivering. 
Um, I had, you know, like two pairs of sweatpants on, like a sweater on one of those like old school, like bonica rugs, you know, over me and whatnot. And I was just shivering and shivering. Like I, I couldn't get, like, I couldn't stop. Like I, I was so, I remember being so cold, but more than anything, I remember being exhausted. Like I remember just feeling super tired and the best way that I can put it into words is for you all that go caroling, you know, you go caroling the whole night. You're all hyped up. You can't wait to go. All of us guys, we're at the first gas station, load up on energy drinks, and we're going to ride it out the whole night. And then you get back to the church, you get back to your house, whatever, at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And it's like you're exhausted. But because of that night, it's like your body's awake. You know, you're, you're, it's like hard to go to sleep because you're just like amped up. That's how I felt. It was like I knew I was exhausted, but like I just like something was off. It was like I was wide awake, but I was exhausted. Like, yeah. And um, and I remember thinking, I'm going to try to take a nap. I'm going to close my eyes. And I closed them. And then I don't know exactly what happened after that. All I remember is that I woke up and I was hearing like beeping noises, like beep, beep, beep. And and I remember that when I finally opened my eyes, the first thing that I saw was a white ceiling. And I can see the lights in the ceiling. And as I'm saying this, I might start kind of like tearing up and I don't want to get super emotional about it. But I remember, you know, seeing the lights and whatnot. And, and I remember, you know, kind of looking around and I saw people around me and, and, and scrubs. And, and I remember looking in one corner of this room and I saw my mom and my dad. And I remember seeing my mom and my dad and they were crying. And then on the other corner, I saw my pastor at the time and his wife. And, and, um, and I remember I was laying on my back when I tried to get up, I saw that I couldn't bend my arms. I couldn't pull myself up. And, and when I looked down, I saw that both of my arms had IVs in each one. And that's when I realized that I was in an emergency room. And, um, and I remember that at that moment, it was May 18th, when I woke up in that ER room, it was like that prophecy, like burned inside of my brain. You know, it was like, you're running away, and I'm giving you one last chance. And if you don't repent and turn to me, I'm going to put you in the grave. And I remember at that age, you know, 20 years old, right before my 21st birthday, I turned 21, or I turned 21 May 29th, and this was May 18th. So right before that, you know, uh, really understanding that that's it, you know, it's it's gone. Like, this is it. This is the moment when I'm out of this world, and I'm going to stand before him exactly the way that he said, you're going to stand before me. And and I remember just thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I said it out loud. I don't, you know, I don't really remember too many fine details of being in that room. But I remember like my heart crying out and just saying, God, please, you know, just just one more. Like, I see it now. I see it. I see that all of the garbage that I've been doing, I see that all of, you know, the different you know, relationships, friendships, whatever. I see everything that has been pulling me away from you. And I can honestly say at this very moment, nothing is worth it. None of this stuff is worth it. None of this stuff is worth me losing my soul for, you know? And and that's maybe even another question for those that are going to be listening to this, to this message or who are listening to 
to this testimony, think for yourselves the things that you're living for. Is it really worth it? Because I can tell you from the perspective of a 20 year old at the time, it's not. It's not. It's 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 fun. If someone says these things are not fun, they're lying. It is fun. It is fun. It is um, enjoyable for that fleeting moment. But when everything is said and done and you go back into that room and you lay down and all that guilt and all that shame, it, because the Holy Spirit still the Holy Spirit still convicts you. It will still speak in your ear and say everything you did tonight. You know, that wasn't right. And, and it's, it's this guilt and this shame and this burden that you carry with you. I'm telling you, man, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. And so I pray anyone that is listening to this, if you are going through something, please just, like, I don't know, let let the Holy Spirit actually work in your life and, and help you to let these things go because it's not worth it. Um, but then uh, I was in the hospital for, um, for close to two weeks. During this time, they were doing different... Uh, different tests on me and uh and at the end of these these weeks they finally diagnosed me with what was called ulcerative colitis and uh, ulcerative colitis is basically it's an incurable condition um my intestines were very badly damaged no one they don't really know how somebody gets it um but there is no cure for it and basically it's the inner lining of your intestines they become raw kind of um, it's like that little sheath, I guess, that protects them. It just, it, it, it gets damaged. There's ulcers that form on them. And, and the way that they said it is basically the best way to put it into words is like you ride your bike, you fall, you scrape your knee. A scab comes over that as in, in the process of healing. They're like, but the thing is with ulcerative colitis is anything you eat, anything you drink, it's almost like you're reopening that scab. And so it's something that just doesn't heal. Um, and, and, you know, they told me different diets I'm going to have to be put on and different medication and, and all these different things. And, um, but one thing I got to say is that even though they were telling me these things, it's almost as if it's the weirdest thing to say, but it's almost like I didn't care. I did not care about anything that they were saying. And that is because that night that I entered the emergency room was the night that I can say I met with the Lord. It's the time where he met with me. And it was the first time I can say in my life in which I genuinely cried out in this prayer of repentance. You know, and so when he was, when they were telling me all these different things, all I could think about was like, dude, like I'm, I'm saved. Like this is, this is all. And it was like this, this weird, like, like, dude, I had so much peace. I had so much peace. There's, there's a verse that I actually uh, wanted to read because I actually preached on this uh, yesterday at church, it's John chapter 14, verse 27. And this is when Jesus, when he begins to talk to the disciples and tells them that he's going to be leaving. And, uh, you know, Peter is saying, no, wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. And Thomas is like, how do we even know where we're supposed to get there? So it's almost like this turmoil, this anxiety that's going on. But in John 14, 27, this is what Christ speaks to his disciples. And he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And I remember that as they were telling me all these different things and how much my life is going to change and all, I had so much peace. I can't put into words what that peace was, but there was such an overwhelming sense of peace. Like, like, I don't care what happens anymore. Like, I have him now. 
you know, and, and I got out of the hospital after a little bit of time, I got out of the hospital and I was placed on, I don't remember the exact name of the medication, but basically I was taking 13 pills a day. I would have to take a certain amount in the morning, a certain amount in the afternoon, a certain amount at night. And, uh, and when I had gotten home, I was still kind of bedridden, still very, very weak. I remember I'd have to shower with my boxers on just in case I would fall in the shower. My mom or my sister, somebody would have to come in and help me get back up. And But there was such a hunger for God's word. I've never experienced that before in my life. And I remember I would lay in bed from morning until night. My mom would bring me like small little, you know, small little piece of bread with some like unswad or something on it. I don't know, some Romanian, you know, you're sick. This is <laughs> yeah. what you eat type of thing. And, uh, and she would bring me food and whatnot, but I could not, I could not get the Bible off of my lap. Like I was so hungry for the Bible. It's because now it's no longer what so-and-so preacher told me, so-and-so pastor, so-and-so presbyter or anything like that. Like, this is me. Like I am now seeing what the word of God actually says. And I remember I began to read and I'd read and I'd read and I'd read and, you know, days and, and weeks went by and I got to Mark chapter five and in Mark chapter five, there's a story about a lady who was bleeding for 12 years. And, uh, and the Bible says a very specific detail. And it says that she had spent all that she had in physicians and they couldn't do anything. And so she thought to herself, if only I get a hold of Christ, if only I touch the hem of his robe, I will be made well. And I remember that I was reading that. And one of the biggest issues that this condition had was bleeding. And um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, the Bible says that when this lady touched the hem of Christ, the hem of his robe, she was made well. I wonder if that can happen to me. And I remember I closed my Bible and I started to pray. And I said, Lord, from what I've read, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you worked this back then, I know that you can do this for me now. And I was like, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I just, I mean, I just gave you my heart. I just gave you my life, Lord. I want to live for you. But how can I live for you when I'm stuck in this bed? How can I go and tell everybody of the goodness of God and what you did for me when I can't go a couple of steps without, you know, my mom helping me walk? I was like, God, if you did this for her, I know you can do this for me. And I remember I said, amen. And nothing happened. You know, I grew up listening to people say testimonies on healing and stuff that they felt electricity in their body and cold water down their spine and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there waiting you know am i gonna shiver am i gonna something nothing happened and uh until that night and when i went to go reach for my medication that night um it's almost like there was a gosh man how can i put it into words so you know when you get like butterflies in your stomach or like your heart starts beating like you're about to do something you're really nervous you know, I don't know if I should do this. You know, that's kind of the way that I felt when I went to reach to grab that medication. It's almost I've never felt it before when I had taken my pills all the other days. But after that prayer, when I went to go reach my hand, just something fell off like, no, 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 don't take those. Don't take those. And 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, is this faith or is this, you know, stupidity? Like, what is this? And, 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 uh, and as I like wanted to grab them, it's almost like this thing inside of me got stronger and stronger saying, you don't need those. You don't need those. You don't need those. And so I didn't take them. And the following morning, I wanted to take them. Once again, I didn't take them. Following afternoon, the same thing. And soon my mom starts coming in and she's looking at my medicine, you know, my little medicine right on the, on the side of my bed. And She's like, you know, Andrew, they're, they're still in there. I still see the same amount. I'm like, oh, yeah, mom, I don't take those anymore. And she's like, okay, Andrew, like, it's good to have faith. You know, the Bible says for us to have faith, but let's just let's just take it slow on the faith a little bit, you know, like, you need to take those things. And I remember telling her, like, no, mom, I'm, I'm not taking those. And uh, that was the last time I ever took that medication. And since then, I have not taken medication. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of that's kind of everything and that kind of leads up to where I am now and you know like I said it's not because Andrew's awesome Andrew's not Andrew's just a normal normal guy but Andrew has met an amazing amazing God that forgives and washes and cleanses and renews and blesses things that maybe we have cursed in our own life the moment you know Christ gets a hold of that he'll he'll change everything. And I'm very, very, um, and I'm like very grateful because like I said, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve what God did for us, but I'm, I'm extremely, extremely thankful and honored that he would do something like that for me. Well, praise God. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, and I, I know you kind of, kind of gloss over it in a way and pe people, a lot of people, if you, unless you unless you go through it, you don't really understand the gravity of the whole situation. Being bedridden and and I mean, just not holding any any food and just like going to the restroom and bleeding and all that stuff. And you know, a lot of people just because we've never experienced it, we don't really understand what's going on. And it's 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 just amazing to see like the the fruit that came out of a, of that very difficult situation. Um, I just had a, uh, just a couple questions here. So after you said you've stopped taking the medication, um, like how was your, cause at, at that time you were still kind of bedridden, you were still kind of being helped around to walk places. And from what I see now, it looks like you, you, you're, you're, you're doing pretty well for yourself in that department. But, uh, what, what was like the, the recovery process? Was it gradual over time? Was it like instantaneous at one point? Uh, how did you eventually gain the strength to, to do what you're doing now? Um, it was definitely gradual over time. Um, I, yeah, it definitely wasn't like night and day. Um, it was the process of a couple of months that, that all of this, you know, I started getting better and whatnot. Um, I, I actually remember which, which kind of continues my journey with, with Christ, but, um, it was in December when Andreas Mopchis, I I don't know if you. Know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know Andreas. Yeah. yeah, I had him on here before. Yeah. Yeah. So Andreas Mopchis, he's the one that actually reached out to me sometime around uh, November, December about God will provide. He was a leader at the missionary school over there, and um, and he reached out to me and he told me, "Hey, Andrew, you know, I heard about you. I heard about this experience that you had, and I wanted to tell you, you know, you should come over here and." 
um, you know, come to the missionary school. And that started in January of 2015. But I remember in November, December, when I was filling out my application, even then I was still like, I don't know, should I go? Should I not go? My parents were still really worried because I was still weak at the time, you know? So that was a process of a couple of months from the moment from May up until November, December, I wasn't a hundred percent, you know, but slowly but surely I started eating a little bit more, uh, started, I guess it might even be just my own personality. I don't, I like, if I want something, I'm going to fight for it, you know, and I wanted to get better. I wanted to feel a hundred percent again. So I kind of forced myself to get out of bed, to walk around, to do this, to do that, and to kind of get myself back, I can say to where, to where I felt like I should be. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. That's, um, you know, and, and sometimes God works like that. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe the healing may have, may have happened instantaneous, but but the recovery takes a while and we have to be patient with that. And a lot of that even reflects in our spiritual life when we're born again, when we're restored, when we're regenerated, it happens at, you know, at one point, but, but it doesn't mean we're, we're ready and equipped to, to do all these things right off the bat. You know, it takes, there's time, there's preparation, there's trials. And, um, I guess just to make this a little more relatable, I, I had a professor, um, he's a pastor, Steve Lawson. He's, he's pretty popular in, in the reform circles, but he was saying how when he was pastoring, a lot of these young 20, 21 year old guys, super zealous, you know, this is, this is in the South. This is Dallas, Texas. This is, you know, those church boys in Dallas, Texas, right? They think everyone wants to be a pastor. Everyone wants to be a preacher. So they're, you know, they're going up to their pastors and asking them, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to be an intern, you know, like, like I want to be a preacher. I think this, this, I want to be an intern. And, uh, the funny thing is, you know, they were a little skeptical at one point, and, and they realized that after about six months or so, you know, these guys would eventually kind of fall off the face of the earth, you know, just kind of quit, kind of fade away, kind of like step away from it, kind of not understand what it actually means. Um, because, you know, the Christian walk is is a step-by-step process. It's a gradual thing. It's, it's marked with obstacles. It's marked with pain. It's marked with suffering. And, um, it's just, it's, there, there's a lot of trials that we have to go through. And in that pressure that we feel, we are even more sanctified to take on the things that God has planned for us later in our lives when we can be more impactful. I mean, and and no matter how difficult it says, you know, Paul says in Romans eight that, uh, you know, the suffering that we face in this present world does not compare to the glory that we're going to face in eternity. So it's, 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 it's something. And, I know looking back, I mean, you're 29 years old now. I mean, this was happened all about eight, nine years ago. Um, you know, at the time, it must have been probably one of the most difficult experiences a young person could ever face. But now, you know, growing up, serving in the church, uh, having a young family and all that, you can go back and you can share this testimony and you see the the spiritual impact it has on people. And it's in, in a sense, and I don't want to speak for I don't want to speak for you, but in a sense, it's it could be rewarding to kind of share that story with people so that they can be encouraged. And I, I like what you pointed out at the beginning before you even got to the to the very difficult part. But you're saying, you know, if you're willing to dabble in these certain things, these certain sins, like don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't get to that point. Don't do what I did. You know, God worked in me and he's using me as an example. But but, you know, spare yourself these things and, and serve the Lord from a young age. So, um, 
yeah, I was I was just greatly encouraged by that. But I, I but I do want you to talk a little bit about God will provide and how that kind of trajectory you into what you're doing now and in, in pastoring now. Yeah. So um, before I get into that, I just want to kind of touch real quick on what you just uh, said. Um, sure. About you know about that that patience aspect the fact that in these small little things god is teaching you and god is molding you and god is shaping you and i was brought you know brought back to my mind that question that we first started with you know with whoever that anonymous person was you know like what would you do you know you see all these people they're not really passionate but here i am really passionate about it what do i do and it's one of those patience things you know um there's there's the idea of you know put everything you have into little things, put everything you have into little things. And then, you know, in due time and whatnot, God is going to bless you. And God is going to give you something even more. And um, it, it is like in all of these little things that we go through, like they're, they all build on one another, you know? And, and I don't know that whoever that kid is, <laughs> is kind of on my mind. And I'm like, I hope, he or she, whoever they are, um, I, I really hope that they that they hang in there, man, because God, there is something that God wants to teach you, whoever you are that wrote that question. There's something that God wants to teach you and and just hang in there and he's going to open it up to you. Um, but, yeah, going back to Gallup Provide. So I ended up going to the missionary school. I got accepted into the school. I went to the school beginning in January 2015. Uh, we were about 90 students in that semester, about 45 guys and about 45 girls. And um, and I remember, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like on fire for God at this point. Like, you know, I had just in my terms, I just faced death. I'm not afraid of dying anymore. Like I remember my prayer was like, God, send me to the craziest place you have on this earth, because the way God will provide <laughs> work was like. Whenever you're done with the missionary school, this organization will send you to a country and you're going to go and you're going to do your mission work over there. And I remember just praying. I'm like, God, I want someplace like, I don't know, like Afghanistan or like Pakistan, like someplace where like I might die for you. Like, you know, I'm 100 percent sold for you. And uh, the four month program comes to an end. And what they do is they'll bring everybody to the front and they'll start reading off um where they're going to send you. So the leaders will pray about the stuff, will fast about, you know, their decision with you. And then they come to me and they say, Andrew, we have a firm, you know, belief that God wants you to stay here in America. And I was like, I don't know what God you're praying to. It's not the one I pray <laughs> to, you know, my God <laughs> sending me to like some, you know, crazy place. I'm going to stay in America. And they're like, no, we really believe that God has a plan for you here at this school. They're like, we'd like to invite you to stay and to be one of the leaders for the upcoming semester. And I remember that I started praying and I was like, Lord, if this is what you have for me, I want to put some signs before you because I don't just want to go just on someone else's faith or someone else's prayer. You know, like if, if I'm your child now, I believe with all my heart that you can speak to me the same way that you speak to them. And so I began to pray and I said, Lord, this is what I want to test you with. If I'm going to stay here, I'm going to need a vehicle to get around with. I don't have a car. I don't have money for a car. You have to provide me with a car. I was like, the second thing, God, is if I'm going to stay here, I'm not going to be able to have a job. I'm going to need finances. 
I need you to provide finances for me. And the third and the final thing, Lord, is that if you want me to stay over here, I want to be able to sow a seed in this upcoming semester, but in somebody that I know, you know, because this school was a, was a Russian based school. And so there was a lot of Russian kids that were over there, a lot of Russian, you know, adults, young adults. Um, but I'm like, no, God, I want someone that I know personally. And they told me this on a Friday and they told me, you know, we, we want to have your answer by Monday. And so I prayed this on that Friday and I said, Lord, you want me here? I want you to answer these things. And, uh, and I called my dad that Friday and I was like, hey, pops, I got something to talk to you about. The, the school, they want me to stay over here and to serve over here. What do you think about it? And my dad was like, you know, you know, you're coming back home. We got a church over here. You know, God worked on you. And we see this transformation. We want you to come home so it could be a life for this church and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, God, see, I told you, Pakistan, it was like, it's, it's not meant to be. And I remember that Saturday morning, my dad calls me like first thing in the morning. And he's like, Andrew, I want to apologize to you. And I was like, for what? And he's like, I want to apologize to you because I'm standing in the way of God. He's like, here's the thing. If you are not supposed to be there, you'll come home. But what if you come home because I told you to and not because he told you to? He's like, I don't want to stand before God and to explain to him why I held you back from you doing his will. He's like, and so because of that, me and your mom talked and we're going to let you stay over there if you want to stay there. And on top of that, Andrew, we know that you're going to need a car. And so we're going to give you our car for you to have over there. And I'm like, snap, man, like this isn't the way <laughs> this is supposed to go, you know? And yeah. And uh, and then I, I ended up um, being donated uh, quite a bit of money through some people from church that heard that I might be staying over there. And the same thing, you know, Andrew, we want to bless you to stay over there. But the biggest thing was my little sister. She called me one of the days and she said, Andrew and She's like, for the longest time, I hated you for what you did to us, for what you did to our family, for what you did to our name. She's like, but I can see what God did in you. And whatever God did in you, I want that God to do the same thing in me. And she's like, and because of that, I talked to mom and dad, and I want to come next semester and to be at the missionary school. And so everything that I prayed for and said, Lord, if you want me to be here, you got to there's some work you need to do. Every single one of them within those two days got answered, you know, and it was in a way that it's not like, you know, up to coincidence. It's just that God literally answered them. And so I ended up staying there. Um, I, I actually served, I want to say two or three semesters um, as, as a leader at, at the school. Um, got to work with the youth, got to go on a couple of small little mission trips and, and kind of allow God to build me up in different little things. And once again, back to that patience thing, now in the position that I am, I can see a lot of it came from me being faithful in those little things, you know, and I didn't know God was going to use me the way that he's using me now, you know, five years ago six years ago, but because I was patient and I allowed him to just do his thing, you know, I can see how all of that experience and all of those different 
things align with what I'm doing now. And it's almost like I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now if it wasn't for that, you know. Um, but then, yeah, during my last uh, my last uh, semester there is when I met my wife. And uh, when that semester came to an end, I knew that it was kind of like our time to transition uh, or my time to transition from the missionary school. And that's when I asked my wife um, or, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she wanted to marry me, but she said yes. And then that kind of just transitioned us completely out of Gallo Provide and out of that season of our life. And yeah. And now you're helping lead a church over there in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Coming all wrapping all the way back. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I like that line that you said, you know, the, about like looking back a few years, like, like what we're going through now is, preparing us for the future and if if we hadn't gone through that at the time we wouldn't be where we are now yeah you know and it's it, you know and at that time it may seem meaningless uh trivial difficult uh unnecessary but i mean it 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 prepares you really for for something that's a lot greater and i don't i don't think god allows certain trials in our life in vain I don't think anything God does is in vain. I believe he's in control of it all, um, and he's sovereign over all. And a lot of times, I mean, as I guess as this, like, overall, um, you know, if, if people, if you can't relate to the to the actual, the, you know, the medical, the physical issue, you can always relate to, to life itself and what it provides, and that is, you know, we, we live through this life that is cursed by sin, and in this world that is cursed by sin, and we we have to endure its troubles, but God uses that to work in us to bring glory to Him, and it's just an amazing thing to look back on. And I hope a lot of people can can look back on on, on their own lives after listening to this and see how God has worked in them, and how God used those low points in their life to mold them into who they are today i mean i think of the prophet jeremiah where you know jeremiah chapter one in, in god's call and his commission he says um basically how i i formed you i knew you before i formed you in your mother's womb i, I i've set you apart i've consecrated you for this purpose and then he lists you know to to build and to break to plant you know all these things that sound very positive but then jeremiah endured probably the most difficult life of all the prophets yeah. And um and he, he I mean he was not married for the purpose of his of his commission. He he stuck around in in uh, in Judah and he was beaten, he was tortured, he was imprisoned and he eventually fled to Egypt at the end of his life, but I mean he lived 80 plus years of enduring all these things, but God called him and he commissioned him. And he didn't see the fruits of his labor. I mean he didn't survive to see the captives come back from uh from Babylon. And I, and I think a lot of us need to have this mentality where if God calls us to this and if we endure this, it takes that extra step of faith to understand that we may not see what God sees and that we may not see it in our lifetime. And I, I just think that just brings all glory to God. So I don't know, there's just a little bit of tangent, I guess, like some way to connect that. But Andrew, as we, as we uh, wrap this episode up, I, I know you kind of, gave you know small nuggets of advice sprinkled throughout the episode um but if there's one is one thing you want to leave the listeners with um regarding 
I mean, it could be anything in, in, in just kind of messing around with, with certain things that they shouldn't be messing around with. It could be uh, having enduring faith in, in very, very difficult times, even life-threatening times. Or it could be just taking steps of faith in, in your walk uh, with the Lord um, where things may seem unclear uh, or a combination of those three. But what's one thing you would like to leave the listeners with? <laughs> the problem with that is I think we talked about this on the phone. I preach a lot and preachers love to talk. So it's like, oh, yeah, what's the one thing? Man, dude, I could go on for like another like hour of, of different things. No, um, I think the the biggest okay one of the biggest things um is i really want and i desire for all the listeners to know that they're you can't get far enough from the mercy of god um there's a lot of people that i remember talking to when i was working with the youth in washington um when I was working at the school, when I was a youth leader over there, and then now in the position that I'm in and, and, and ministering to the to the church here in, in, in Florida, um, oftentimes people have this mentality, especially the young ones. I screwed up this. I did this. I did this. There's no way God can forgive me. And I want to tell you that is the biggest lie from the enemy. God can forgive anything. And not only can he forgive, he did forgive. That's that's what scripture says. Scripture says that when he died on that cross, he took away everything, you know. And if that holds you back from a relationship with him because of that shame, because of that guilt, um, because of that burden that's on you, then I, I hope that with these words, the Holy Spirit will impact you or will touch you in such a way in which you will know that you can give it to him. I don't care what a, no preacher says. I don't care what no church teaches. If there's anyone that teaches and says, you can't do X, Y, and Z because of what you did in the past. That is, that's a lie. Okay. When God washes and when God cleanses, you are washed, you are cleansed, you are made whole. Um, another thing, when it comes to faith, faith takes a lot of courage. Faith takes a lot of courage. Faith takes also a lot of sacrifice. You know, faith isn't faith if we know what is going to happen. Faith is, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not in control of what's going to happen. But I'm just going to go with it. And when you go with it, you'll find yourself sacrificing more and more and more and more. But that just goes along with faith. And so even going back to that, kid whoever you are that was in, asking that first question like what do i do and have faith oh yeah but it's so tough because i don't see anything just have faith oh my god but you know I, I don't i don't even know is god still listening man just have faith it takes sacrifice it takes courage it's difficult man it sucks no one wants to you know we all wish that we can actually see it just like thomas in the bible we're all thomas so i mean i'm not gonna believe jesus is back until i put my you know, I touch him, you know, with, but what happens is that Christ shows up, but he's like, blessed are those that didn't see, blessed are those that just hold on to that faith and, and to that credence, that belief that, that there is something at the end of the road. And so I think those are the two pieces of advice. The first one, man, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did. When Christ died for our sins, Christ died for all of them. And the second one is hold on. God has an amazing thing with our generation. 
God has an amazing thing to do with each and every single one of us in our churches, in our workplace, in our school, in the people that we interact with every single day. But you have to allow yourself for God to use you and have that faith, have that courage, um, sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed. And, uh, and God's, God's going to work and God's going to use you. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, you know, that, that, that first point is just, we recognize the depths that God is willing to go through. I mean, he, I mean, in your, in your life, he, the way that he acted, the way, the way that he worked, I mean, he brought you to the brink of death so that he can draw you closer to him. And he, I mean, you read the verse, John three sixteen earlier, and what he did that he sent his only son to die on this, on the cross for our sins. I mean, if you, again, I just want to reiterate that point that you made at the beginning. If it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what, uh, what someone has told you, what lies someone has told you about yourself or how they've shamed you, whether it was someone in your household or someone from school or someone from church, or maybe it was a spiritual leader, you know, understand that there is now is the time, you know, to, to bring this before the Lord. And he, he, you know, he has, he, he will forgive. And, uh, I mean, the, the, if you're a believer, you're not getting punished for these sins. People think that, oh, God, I'm sinning, so God is punishing me. Yeah, there's discipline, there's correction, but Jesus Christ was punished for your sins. Yeah. He was punished for your sins. Now is the time to, to get our act together and, and, and start living for him because he he's the one who died for our sins. And and I just think it's people are in, in this day, in this generation, maybe they're a little younger than, than we are, but they're so caught by what people think and their minds and their and their self-esteems and it just destroys them and i pray that 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 just god may work in their lives and i pray that if that's you listening today that understand that you were purposed for something much greater and uh just to continue to have faith and go and going through that and and just going before the lord on your knees in prayer and asking him to to work in your life and i i, I do believe he will work so that was just kind of a final thought there, but Andrew, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to, to pay, you know, in the patience of finally scheduling this thing, taking your time out of your day to, to share this testimony yet again. And, you know, I, I truly believe it's going to impact people. It was powerful. It was um, something a lot of us haven't gone through. And, and it's, it's encouraging to see how not only did God bring you from, from that low point in your life, but he's kind of brought you along the way through missionary school through uh you know now you're preaching every week now you're you've helped plant a church and you're living there with your family and it's just it's such a it's such a testament to, to his glory and and um it's it's so encouraging to see so thank you so much for coming out here and and just opening up i know it's maybe not easy for a lot of people uh at least at the beginning to open up about certain things in their lives but but it's definitely going to be a blessing to a lot of people here so thank you andrew i really appreciate it Thank you. Like I said at the beginning, man, I, I'm, I was excited. I was nervous and everything, but I, I'm, I'm really happy. And, and you were mentioning, you know, this testimony to be an impact for other people. But for me, this was this was almost nine years ago. And oftentimes, not that I tend to forget, but I do kind of tend to forget, you know, what God actually did in my life. Because I get caught up with, you know, family and work and school and, and, and church and all this. But even you'd be surprised how much kind of getting my thoughts down on a piece of paper and all that, getting ready for this, how much it reminded me and brought me back to that time, you know? So hopefully this was a blessing for everybody. 
But at the same time, this was a huge blessing for myself because I'm reminded yet again of, of the goodness of God and what he actually did in my life. Amen. Amen. And thanks for being on. And thank you listeners for tuning in after such a long break. Um, I hope that this, again, as we said several times on this episode, uh, serves as an encouragement, uh, a means of edification for you in your life. And, and just understand that, you know, if God is willing to work in, in one, one of our brother's lives like this, you know, he's, he's going to work in your life and, uh, it may not look pretty, uh, don't don't expect prosperity. Don't expect all these all these things that maybe certain preachers promise you. But understand that you know he he loves you and he he wants you to serve him all the days of your life. So um, thanks thanks again for tuning in. And um, last minute announcements: just a couple of things that I mentioned earlier. Again, frequency of this whole thing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Whenever we have time, uh, whether it's testimony, whether it's um, maybe a, a certain topic with someone, whether I'm just going to talk about something, we'll try to sprinkle it in. Um, but consider it revived for now. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, you know, life comes and hits you in ways that you never really expect. So, um, so we, 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 we hope and pray that God's going to continue to work in this ministry. So thank you guys for, for your patience and thank you for tuning in again. Um, again, uh, Instagram at the Potter's house, uh, you can listen to us on most of the major streaming platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please, if you haven't already, you can leave a five-star review. It really helps with the exposure of the show. And if you want to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, I will read that out loud as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, your prayers and everything. I'm excited to be back. And uh even though I don't know next when next time will be, uh, we will see you next time. God bless, guys.